Hey guys, it is Ryan. I'm not sure if you know this about me, but I'm a bit of a fun fanatic when I can. I like to work, but I like fun too. It's a thing. And now the truth is out there. I can tell you about my favorite place to have fun. Chumba Casino. They have hundreds of social casino style games to choose from with new games released each week. You can play for free anytime, anywhere And each day brings a new chance to collect daily bonuses. So join me in the fun. Sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. BGW. Void or prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. Blog Talk Radio. Good evening. Welcome into our side. Sports City Chefs present. Sports City. Hot. There we go. Oh, I'm trying. Sorry about that. I'm trying to get it. It's not acting right. All right, that's all right. Hold on a second. Sports Playing City Sports Chef City Chefs from Amazon Music. Here we go. Yeah. Woo. Let's go. Y'all need to sit back, listen, enjoy the vibe. Sip something, light it up, enjoy the vibe. Cause the Sports City Chefs is on the night. In the kitchen cooking up, they go on the ride. Sport city, sport city, chef, chef. Sport city, sport city, chef, chef. Sport city, sport city, chef, chef. Sport city, sport city, chef. Yes, Lord, we got a brand new present. Joe Biden, we riding, I pray you heaven sent. Word from the wise, my people stay ahead of me. Come on, I've been relevant, trying to survive the elements. It ain't no love in these streets, these dudes telling it. Case goes from cold to hot state evidence. Kaboom, sports city chefs is in the room. Cooking up hot topics to put up on the spoon. They well in tune, blown like a flower in June. Superman verse, MF Doom, the clouds loom. So tell a friend it's the sports city chefs again. Pay attention, tune in, we on the set again. Uh. What's going on, Sports City? And now I can uh, get back on track. It threw me for a second, but on take two, we got this going on here. Chandler Knight alongside uh, another week of hot stove talk. We're going to call it hot stove inside, Chandler, because we got uh, <clears throat> some other things that have happened, I think, over uh, sports this week. Maybe one thing you mentioned towards the end of last week's show, that if you, there's more you want to say about it, you know, we can get to that too. But how are you feeling this evening, man? How's it going? I'm good. Rangers won, so it's a good night so far. Okay, big Rangers fan, huh? Oh, yeah. Uh, all right. Yeah, uh, you know, <clears throat> growing up in the South, really didn't see hockey around until the Predators came to uh, to Nashville, which is kind of special for that city because you got the Predators and the Titans all at one time, and of course the Titans had that Super Bowl run right after they moved to that stadium, so like when I first moved to Nashville, that was kind of an exciting time for professional sports in that city, though, right? Because they didn't have anything <clears throat> other than AAA baseball before that. So, all right, man. So let's get right into uh, the hot stove stories at first. Um, I know there's one with your team today, but I, I, you know where I want to go first, man. Uh, the San Francisco Giants. 13 years, $330 million for Carlos Correa. Uh, yeah, just uh, go ahead. Speak on it. I don't have a problem with signing. He was going to get the money. Um, they See, what, what these teams are doing is, is, is what they were doing in the NHL for a while until the owners in the NHL got mad at each other and stopped them from doing it. Is which they would take, give these these kids these, I mean, ridiculously twelve, fourteen year contracts, so that they would lower the annual average value, which lowers the effect of luxury tax and also lowers the effect on your salary cap if you have a salary cap. Um, for all intents and purposes, the luxury tax is a salary cap. Don't let anybody tell you it's not. It's a doggone salary cap. All right, um, because what it's doing is just limiting teams from spending money. That's literally what salary cap does. So I don't have a problem with the signing. And the higher he was going to get over three hundred. I'm sorry. 
No, no, no. Go ahead. Go ahead. I, I was going to say the higher you go in that oh, salary I'm, cap, like the further you exceed that luxury tax, the more you're taxed per dollar too, right? So it continues exactly. to limit you the more the more you spend. Right, because you get these owners. They're like, okay, um, my pay, my payroll is two ninety, but I'm paying three fifty. I don't want to do that. So again, I don't have a problem with signing. Um, I I wanted Carlos Correa to quiet his cap. Um, if if the Yankees were sure that they could not get Rafael Devers, who I know is going to be a free agent next year, then I would have taken Correa if you and just eaten the money on Josh Donaldson. But if you look at what San Francisco is looking for, there is a leadership void in Frisco with the retirement of Buster Posey. Um, yeah, because exactly. Posey's gone. Brandon, yeah. Brandon Crawford mm-hmm. is not a leader in the sense that Buster Posey was. He's one of those guys who leads no. by example. He's quiet. He's that, you know, he's the the foundation, the foundational structure, but he's not the guy who's going to come and say, listen, man. Right, right. So you needed this. Um, and listen, let's, let's, you have to overpay to get people to come play in that ballpark. Let's be honest. You got to overpay to get people to come play there. All right. If you're not from that area, do you really want to play there? People that, that have been to Frisco, oh, California's warm. Frisco's cold, man. It's cold. It's windy. It's wet. Um, <laughs> you know. <laughs> so I don't have a problem signing. I like it. <laughs> yeah, you know, I like the signing. Um, and the thing is, in in five years or six years, if you get a hot shortstop prospect, guess where Carlos Correa is going? He's going to third base. So it's a win-win to me. He could go to third. He could go to first. He could DH for you do a variety of things. I think that, you know, I, I will tell you that, that I was wrong uh, on everything that I predicted except for one. Uh, well, not everything. There's one big thing. And I said I thought the the time for double-digit contracts were not going to be as much of a thing uh, in this off season. And I said I thought that players are going to continue to push for a uh, few years and a higher annual average. And I thought that it was possible that, you know, the double-digit years were not going to be as much of a thing. And then you turn around, there's three of them handed out. The one thing I was right on was I said Judge wouldn't get 10. Because I, I felt like as much as you wanted annual-wise, it would come off a of 10. Now, it didn't come off of it very much. It was only a year off, right? But we still came off of 10 million. I mean, off of 10 years. So uh, I was right on that. And then, uh, you know, we talked about this last week. I thought Correa to San Francisco, losing out on Judge. You know, there were other there, there were talks that they were in on Nemo. There were talks that they were uh, looking at a couple of different guys. But, listen, Correa is – he's a leader. Uh, he plays a solid shortstop. He's very good defensively. He's a middle-of-the-order bat. Um, you know, he's – He's got a personality. He sells tickets. There's a there's a, a very high Latino population in San Francisco. Um, so he can speak to that fan base some. And you're right. Uh, they haven't had – you know, he replaced his Buster Posey as far as the leadership role. You haven't really had that guy. And anybody that, that could have done that has bounced around so much, it's kind of hard to – to take that range in the first year, like a guy like Zach Pedersen, for example, you know, is is a guy that, uh, you know, has that kind of personality, but isn't that kind of superstar on the field, maybe best in a platoon role. Right. So, um, right. Right. Carlos Correa, I think middle of that infield anchor, that team, that team still has more to do. Um, and I'm not sure like a guy like Ben and wouldn't make a lot of sense for them. Right. But that's a team that still has some things to do, but, even if you even if you're not going to compete this year or next year, you got to think um, you got to think bigger picture on this Correa contract because he's going to be part of your uh, you know franchise for the foreseeable future. So you transition Brandon Crawford maybe over to second base and just kind of ease him out or whatever. So uh, it'll be interesting to see kind of uh, how that pans out. I will say this though, I. These teams know that this lower annual average is it's going to look a little bit better in a few years, but over the next decade, we're going to see which one of these contracts end up actually panning out where these 
players are still fairly productive for those teams. Because you know you're going to have some serious drop-off in production uh, towards the end of these contracts. So early on, it makes a lot of sense for each of these teams. And if you win a championship, that's all they care about. Uh, But it'll be interesting to see, uh, Lord willing, we're around long enough to see how these contracts age. It's crazy to think that we're going to be still talking about them a decade from now. See, that, that that bothers me so much. People talk, oh, a lot of contracts in age. As a player gets older, you will get less production in certain areas. You'll get more production in other areas. If you're expecting of all course. star low production out of a guy in his 40s or his late 30s, no. then, you're, then, then, I'm not. then you're stupid anyway. Okay? No, not you. I'm saying these right games, now. right? Yeah. Then you're, you're yeah. stupid anyway. No, no, no. So go ahead, go ahead, go ahead. I get you. No, 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 what I think is obviously you're going to see some drop-off uh, as players get older, reflexes get a little bit, whatever. But I'm just curious to see. I think that the teams that are still getting um, good production out of uh, out of the, these guys at the end of their contracts, I mean, obviously I think some guys are going to be a little bit better in 10 years, right? Like uh, Trey Turner's a guy. Does he continue to evolve as a hitter? Once his speed uh, drops off a little bit, uh, he very possibly could. Uh, so it's just, you know, how these guys progress and, and and improve. Not everybody improves at the same incremental level. You know, there are a lot of other factors uh, that play in and, you know, how these teams kind of absorb this. But these uh, signings, all of them, um, I think were big for the franchise. I think Correa maybe doesn't have as big an impact like, in the win and loss columns this year for the Giants. Um, I think Bogarts is a, the least exciting of the three um, major shortstops to me in some ways, but I think that uh, I think the Turner deal is a perfect fit with, with the Phillies, and then we got some other stuff to get to as well. But uh, yeah, I mean, obviously you know they're gonna they're gonna drop off, but I think these guys that are, are able to remain good uh, late in these contracts, I think you're gonna see that results in, in success for those franchises. These contracts are going to be, uh, you know, how much of a liability are they on these teams? It doesn't really matter. You do it right now. It'll just be interesting to see how it ages out. I, I guess. It's just, it's, it's what, what, see, unrealistic fans versus unrealistic franchises versus reality, which is, and I'll use Josh Donaldson as a perfect example. Josh Donaldson played gold glove third base. He saved a lot of runs defensively. He was integral to the Yankees winning as many games as they won and getting to the playoffs. And all of you, all you hear people talking about, well, but he didn't hit. There are other things that are important on the baseball field besides hitting. Okay, so, again, for all of these people that are pushing back again, but the contract's not going to age well. What are you looking for out of this player? Now, right. towards yeah. the end of his career, A-Rod was, was, was exactly. So now if you get above average third base, say the last three years of his contract, right, um, that's going to help you win. The bottom line is can this right. player help you win through the length of their contract? That's for me. For me that's surprised. the bottom line. For a no, lot of people, it's not. No, I agree with They're looking at numbers. I agree with you. That's what I. That's what I mean by how does it age? Do you see what I'm saying? Can that player be productive on that right. team, uh through the duration of the majority of that contract? Uh, and to me, right. the interesting okay. thing is that Correa got. To me, the interesting thing is Correa got the longest deal. Right. Like obviously, there could be certain things that happen that are beyond players' control versus injuries or whatever else. Uh, losing a step. How? I mean, because you know these guys are into their late. 30s, early 40s, and so that that's what I mean by how does it age? Are they able to be productive pieces of their roster or uh, get them back productive pieces uh, in exchange for them late in their contracts or whatever uh, whatever it looks right, like for right. these franchises? That's what I mean by how that's what I mean by how does it age? Because if there if you have a guy, one of these guys ends up not being productive at all, and it being dead money especially on some of these rosters, it could really hamstring some of these franchises for a little, uh, possibly, depending on what else they do in the next few years. It could be maybe exactly. not incredible, but it could, be something that, it could be something that we're talking about. But that's where you get into what's up, what else is on the roster. 
right? Because you say, oh, right. he's hamstringing the team because he's giving you nothing. Well, what else do you have on the team? Is your team basically, is he the only name on your team? Then, yeah, he can't carry your right. team anymore. You know, but now if you put together a good team and you ask him just to be, it, it, okay, it's kind of like um, I keep hearing about like Odell Beckham Jr. Not to bring a football, we're going to bring a football. They say, why would you sign him when he's obviously not healthy? He's not the guy he used to be, but he can give you moments, right? Yeah. All you want from yeah, these guys in this contract like, is moments. You can't fall off like Dan Uzzo, though. Right, like you can't completely. And I, I think, don't get me wrong. I don't think either of these guys. I don't think either. Of, I don't think either of these guys are him like that. But you see what I'm saying? Like every once in a while, a guy yeah, falls yeah. off the cliff. Yeah. Right, like that's all I'm saying. Yeah. So, Carlos um, Bayerga. Yeah, well, Carlos Bayerga. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> I, we got a, we got a few other. Uh, <laughs> we got, we got a few other moves that just happened today. We're a Yankees fan, so uh, talk about the Yankees signing today. <laughs> yeah, Carlos Berger, damn ugly, damn. Um, yeah, you talking about falling off a cliff? Good God, they went into a they went into a black hole. Um, <laughs> I like the Rodon signing. I wanted Rodon a couple of years ago. Actually, I wanted him when he went to San Francisco because I think you could have got him for cheaper now. But I like the signing. I wish they still had Jordan Montgomery because. I think that he would have been hugely beneficial to Jordan Montgomery and just with his aggressiveness and teaching Montgomery how to be aggressive with his fastball. The thing with um, left-handers specifically, think about some of the great left-handers in baseball history, right? They don't hit their prime until around 27, 28, 29. Look, you can can go to Andy Pettit. There was a period in Andy Pettit's career with the Yankees where people were like, oh, he's done. It's a wrap, right? That was about from 24 to 27 where he was kind of middling, middle of, you know, middle of the road. For whatever reason, left-handers blossom late. This is the perfect time to get Rodon. I don't have a problem with the numbers, 27 million. Okay. Um, mm-hmm. Me personally, I would have offered 25 with some easily to hit incentives to take him to 30 as long as it didn't count against the luxury tax because I don't think you can count bonuses. I could be wrong on that, and I have to check on it. But if bonuses, they let bonuses like um, if you if you throw 120 innings, we'll give you an extra five million. If they don't count like that because you can't guarantee someone's going to hit those incentives, right? Then I would have gave him 25 with the opportunity to get to 30. Easy to make incentives. Make 27 starts. Strike out 120 batters, extra $5 million, right? And then you could have gone for the seven or eight years and given them up to 200 at a certain point. Listen, they got them at 27, six years, one, seven, six years, 162. That's a bargain today. I like the signing. Don't expect him to be an ace. He's not an ace. And honestly, he's not a number two. He's a number three. He's a number three. I don't care that you're paying him like a number two. He's a number three. So you slot him behind Severino, not behind Garrett Cole, but they're going to slot him behind Cole. That's going to be a mistake. And eventually he's going to wind up behind Severino. Okay, so you go Cole. I would do actually, see, you can't do two lefties in a row with him. Because I would like to see Cole, Nestor, Don, Severino, but then you go Cole, probably Severino, then Rodon. See, no matter how you slice, you're going to have the left hand is back to back. But No, no, no oh. you're not. No, you're not. No, you're not. Okay, go ahead. And, and, and I'm going to tell you why. Because you're going to go Cole, Rodon, Severino, and Cortez. And to be quite honest with you, one of the biggest reasons why you're going to do that is because it doesn't really matter a ton. Uh, the only thing that two and three are going to matter is who you line up against during the regular season. And because it's, you don't always line up against number ones and number twos all year, that's going to rotate anyway. And so by doing that in the rotation I just gave you, it gives you a look from either side. And then you get like, you know, Cortez, who's a 
junk baller for all intents and purposes, and then you come back with the heat from right. uh, you know cold the next night. Uh, that's that's a uh, that's a crazy like contrast. So you go you go right left right left. Gary Cole's still your ace. You paid him like your ace, and so you're gonna he's gonna pitch game one. Mm-hmm. You pay Rodon as a two, and <clears throat> we'll see what he is. What what I can tell you about Rodon is even from the time I saw him in college, the stuff was always there. Like he's got power stuff. He's got swing and miss type stuff. The question is, could he control it? And then the other question is, could he keep his arm healthy? Um, he started to show right. signs over the last couple of years uh, of being more healthy. If he can, you can totally see him as a late blossoming guy. His last two years have shown you the upside that um, people were projecting of him when he first came into the league, right? And that's why he got this type of contract. But it's, uh, it, you're right. It's a bargain. It's starting pitchers. But the other thing is he's a left-hander. Those are hard to find. He has power stuff. He has swing and miss stuff. He's a guy that even in a postseason performance has the type of nasty stuff to get you give you a double strike, uh, double digit strikeout performance. And yeah, yeah. those are the types yeah. of uh, those are the types of performances that you need to win series. So let's say the Yankees, you go into Houston, and for whatever reason, Mike Cole happens to pitch be pitch one of his really good games. And then for some reason, Rodon comes back. He's locking up your left-handed hitters or whatever. You get double-digit strikeouts from both. And then you come home up 2-0 with Severino and Cortez. And you can come back. You can even have all hands on deck by game five if you needed to. Do you see what I'm saying? Like, uh, this sets up this sets up for them. This is a play that I think the Yankees absolutely needed. You lost a guy or two in that rotation, uh, not only from trades last year, but now Tyon's gone and, I mean, I can understand maybe it wasn't the best uh, thing, but as far as an innings leader at the back of that rotation who could get some case, he was, he's been okay for you guys as a depth piece. Um, but this gives you guys a legitimate front-end uh, starting pitcher, right? And at the end of the day, he's going to have some ups and downs, especially in Yankee Stadium with that short right field porch. If he's not locating, he'll have a couple bad days. But at the end of the day, oh, yeah. he's got dominant type stuff. He's a guy that goes out there with no hitter type stuff. And there's not a ton of those guys. And you got two on your roster now in your rotation. Right. And I think that's a, yeah. I think that's a big, big move for the New York Yankees. Because hey, that's why I'd like him for we'll come back and see uh, we'll come back and and see what else uh but the other thing that I think is the Yankees if they had not done this, basically we're going to run it back from what they did last year. And we know that that team had some deficiencies. And this team still got a little bit more work to do, right? Like as far as uh, how they fill out that outfield or what that looks like. But uh, unless they're going to go with all the kids. But this team, because uh, I know they don't, I, I think that's the hesitancy on a guy like Ben and Tindy and some of those guys is they don't want to necessarily give those guys as many years as they want when they feel like these other guys are really, really, really close. Um, and so you do go get a pitcher so you have another anchor in that rotation. But the Yankees had to make this move to show their fan base and to even prove to themselves that they were they were gonna willing to do something else besides just get Aaron Judge and run it back. Yeah, yeah. Um, also, by the way, there are no outfielders other than Jason Dominguez that the fan base keeps talking about trading when he is a five-tool uh, all-star in the making, but we won't get into that right now because uh, we, we haven't even talked about Xander. Uh, did we talk about Xander going to San Diego last time or no? Yeah, we did because we talked about how we hate to see how people say they can't stand it with San Diego. I, like being a small market when we, right, we right. talked about all the resources there. So we, so we talked about Xander. Right. We talked about Turner. Um, we talked a little bit about Swanson, but I want to go and hit this recent move that the, uh, that the Braves made and how it impacts a couple of these teams. Um, So, uh, you know, the Braves acquire Sean Murphy from the Oakland A's and they give up a ton uh, to get him. Uh, They give up William Contreras and Manny Pena, who were the other two catchers. Uh, They still have Travis Darno on roster, but uh, Contreras basically came up last year because Pena got hurt in the spring training or whatever. And so, they needed another catcher, and of course he took the opportunity and ran with it. Um, so, and then they also uh, Kyle Moeller, who was one of their uh, 
their number one prospect, big tall left-hander, uh, Freddie Tarnak, who's another right-handed pitcher. Uh, and then there was a couple other players. And then uh, the Brewers got William Contreras. And uh, they got this guy, uh, Luis, who's from the – it's an interesting uh, – it's an interesting trade uh, for everybody involved. I'll start with Milwaukee, and we'll come back to uh, to Atlanta, but I'll start with Milwaukee, and it shows me that even though there was some talk about maybe Corbin Burns being traded, maybe Brandon Woodruff, Milwaukee's saying, the hell with that. Like, if we can have our pitchers healthy and you add Peralta to that mix, we got a good top three. Uh, we've traded Colton Wong, and we got Abraham Torres, who's – Played some out um, infield for Houston and Seattle. But then we also got um, Jesse Winker in that trade. Uh, so if he has a bounce back here at a corner outfield spot, uh, you still have Adames. You still have um, Christian Yellick. You still have some pieces with that rotation. And Milwaukee has to be looking at it and saying, you know what, we have Corbin Burns under contract through 25. Uh, if there's a trade that works out or something and we're not competing, that's another story. But we have them for three more years, right? So um, the only really team that I think is better than uh, Milwaukee and and right now in that division is the St. Louis Cardinals. And could Milwaukee compete against them if all those guys are clicking on the mound? Sure, they could. They were, I mean, keep in mind they were right there in the playoff picture. Uh, St. Louis just kind of pulled away late, but Milwaukee was right there, either leading or tied for that division. Uh, the majority of of this season. So uh, a team that everybody thought might mail mail it in has found a way with a little bit of a lower budget to find a way to at least try to bring in a few little pieces and make a run at that division. Any thoughts on, uh, any thoughts on that for Milwaukee? Yeah. Can you hear me? Yeah, now I can hear you. I can got you hear you. me? Okay. Yeah, yeah I don't I know. You. I was muted 17 different places. I'm muted seven. Um, <laughs> excuse me. Milwaukee, in many ways, is bringing back the same team. Now, the reason people were talking about the trades they were going to make was because they didn't want to pay some of the arbitration people. But Colton Wong was going to be the biggest arbitration guy, so they traded him. I like. I didn't mind that trade. I'm not a huge fan of Jesse Winker. I don't like how things ended for him in Seattle. And the fact that they were, they were ready to run him out of town says a lot um, in that clubhouse. But, okay, let's say Milwaukee's a better fit of an NL Central guy than your AL West guy. It happens. Sometimes it's courses for horses. There's no way they're going to sign, I mean, going to trade Burns or Woodruff simply because it doesn't make sense. No. We know what Seattle's no. going to do. Uh, I mean, we know what St. Louis is going to do, rather. St. Louis is going to be middling, middling, and then you look up to the end of the year, and they're about to win the Central. So, you know, I don't think and that St. Louis is, is, is... Milwaukee's the only competition. Right. I don't think that um, St. Louis is overtly better than, um, you know, two. I don't think they're, like, way better than... Uh, Milwaukee, and I think that Milwaukee, if they get the hitting, and the guy that they need is Christian. Christian Hill has got to do something. He got to do something. Um, he got to. He has to do better. Sorry, you got to. I got to get more from Christian Yelich because he's the reason that they tend to be middle of the middle of the pack. They need him to be a star. But I like this move. Um, I like I like uh, William, not Wilson, William Contreras. And if you think about it, it's a, it's a good. I mean, they what we got to go back a few years. The last time they had a really good catcher, a guy that could hit and catch. Uh, I forget his name. You know who I'm talking about? The left-hander, left-handed hitting catcher that they had in Milwaukee for a while. There you go. Uh, there yeah. you go. But, yeah, this, yeah. This, is, I mean, this is a smart move by a smart organization that understands payroll, that understands asset allocation. Yeah, I mean, you look at it, 
it's an upgrade. And then the question that you ask is, can Je- Jesse Winker, can you give me anything close to what Hunter Renfro gave me? And then can we keep our can we keep Freddie Peralta healthy? Can we keep our pitchers healthy? And then obviously, um, what do we do with the closer position? What can Taylor do? You know, how can we lock that down? Um, for the Braves, though, I think that this is. I think this is a whole lot to give up um, for one guy. I don't necessarily buy into the advanced ma- matrix to the same level that a lot of people do. And that, I mean, I get that it makes some sense, but you know, this Sean Murphy has the second best war in baseball in the last three years for catchers behind JT Rumito. Uh They said his, uh, his pop time from, you know, ball hitting is meant to down to second base is, you know, amongst the top two or three in the game. Um, so, you know, many uh, accounts, not just from one or two organizations, uh, do say that if this guy's healthy, he can be a top three to five catcher in baseball for the next several years as a 28-year-old guy, right? Um, this is, I, I think, with the lack of shifts now and, like, I agree with you, too. We've talked about this. Pitch framing is kind of overrated. Um, but I do think being able to throw out runners and that kind of thing uh, is not. And I think with the lack of uh, shifts now, the multiple – being able to cut down on how many times you can throw over there, pitch clocks and that kind of thing, I think you could see – and even the bigger bases, you could see stolen bases come back a little bit more. And you see the Phillies adding more speed. This looks like a, a move by Anthopolis to try to – uh, try to combat or defend what he sees other teams in that in that division doing, right? So I, I think for a team that has aspirations for trying to win a division and being in the World Series conversation again, I can understand why you make the move even though you gave up a lot. I think if they were a middle-of-the-pack franchise, I think this would be a dumb move to make. Yeah, um what you get with Murphy right now, like you said, you get a premier defender for the next four seasons. Premier defender. Whether he hits or not, honestly, I don't give a damn. They got enough bats. But like you said, you look at what Philly's got. Man, Philly's going to run you out of the stadium, okay? They got guys who can move. The Mets, they have enough guys. With Buck, they're going to be aggressive, which means you need a guy the Marlins have speed to burn. You look at the talent on that Marlins roster. Come on now. They got speed to burn. You need a good catcher in Atlanta with that pitching staff. I like Murphy. Um, I don't, and, and honestly, of the last few trades Alex Anthopoulos has made, going all the way back to when he was in Toronto, tell me the bad trade that he's made. Tell me the trade he's lost. He hasn't lost a trade <laughs> right. in a while. Right? Right? So if he's willing to give these players up, maybe take a second thought. Because basically, he got Sean Murphy for nothing. He got Sean Murphy. Who else did they get from Oakland? They got, like, Oakland's best three players for nothing. They got Olsen. They got Murphy. (laughs) Come on. What's going on here? They traded some – now, listen, Oakland is going to have – well, Milwaukee's going to have a couple of them from what they got in this trade, but – uh, Oakland's going to have a few major league starters uh, in these next year or two that came from Atlanta over these last couple of deals, or Atlanta or Milwaukee over these last couple of deals, right? Because but are uh, they, they already be better than what they gave up? You know, uh, time will tell. Shane Langelier shows up this year uh, at the catcher position. You know, they got the center fielder. Um, I mean, for when you didn't get Freeman back, you had to do something at first base. That's the thing. This team continues to grow the prospects. Now that they thought Contreras is the catcher of the future and they made the move for Murphy, can they, can they continue to develop him? I wouldn't bet against this organization. I mean, Alex Anthopoulos knows what he's doing. And I think this is, with all the conversations about shortstop and what else they're going to do, you know, he quietly went and got a set-up guy, Joe Jimenez, for Horacio Iglesias. Mm-hmm. Um, <laughs> you know, he quietly went and got a piece of his bullpen. To, uh, to help set up his closer, we're going to let Kenley Jansen go. We got Iglesias at the deadline last yep. year. We're going to go get Murphy mm-hmm. as an elite catcher. You know, we've locked up a lot of our guys. We'll figure out shortstop once this is done. Um, 
But Grissom. this is, Grissom. you know, he's Grissom is your shortstop. It's going to be Grissom if he falters a little bit. Orlando Arcia, maybe. Right. And Arcia, premier glove. Can't Not a bad player. Premier glove. Right. So Not even much. if it takes Grissom a minute, right? Let's say it takes Grissom a minute. You got Arcia. <laughs> Come on, man. Yeah. Dude, listen. Alex, yeah. Alex Anthopoulos. For all of the all of the crap that he got in Toronto, um, he's the he's the architect of that team. By the way, everybody's talking it's going to be so great. That's that those are his draft picks. Okay, um, right. he has set the Braves up to be good for the next ten years, and by good, I mean constantly <laughs> being talked about as going to the NLCS. No, for real, and and, and um, we talked about last week. He signed a lot of position players. And Ozzy Acuna, Riley, now Harris. And now you got Murphy for three or four. And so he's locked up uh, over this time, too. And now he finally found that he finally locked up a pitcher. This is the first one that he's locked up. I think he's going to end up locking up another one or two, though. Right, Freed comes back this year. I think he's going to try. Now, Freed may say, you know, no, I'm going to – I'm going to free agency. But I understand why – I understand why the Braves made this move. You know, uh, Steve Phillips once famously said, prospects will get you fired, right? Like, um, and this is a legit uh, top not top shelf catcher in baseball, right? So, I you know, I get what they're doing. It'll be, uh, it'll be interesting to see. Other than shortstop, unless they really – I still think they're going to be given the opportunity to match on Dansby. I think with the way the whole thing with Freddie worked out last year, I think he'll come back and say something. I don't know that uh, Alex Anthopoulos will be comfortable paying what maybe the Cubs or somebody is willing to give Dansby. So we'll see, you know, how that pans out. But I think they'll still have a chance to to match on that contract. Um, yeah, I, 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 see, I don't see match. Dan Swanson coming back, though. No, I, if he does, it's because he's, he's from there and he just wants to stay home. Like there, there, there's that pull for some right. people, right? Like, uh, um, and honestly, that was that was what brought Judge back to New York. I still, I, I think he could have gotten more money, or uh, you know, as much somewhere else if he wanted to. I think he did want to play in New York. Um, I think it might have been more years. It might have been ten. It might have been ten years at four hundred million. But I think he wanted to play in uh, in New York. Uh, the Mets. We missed one move. We talked about them keeping Nimmo. They got David Robertson for that bullpen yeah. as a as a setup arm, and then they also went and got this uh, another starting pitcher, uh, and this kid from Japan who's got fastball, fortball, uh, not always the best at control, but supposed to have really filthy, nasty stuff. So a guy to compete, another guy to compete for a spot in that rotation. They made a couple moves for that bullpen, so I think most of the Mets' work is done, right? Like as far as what's next for them. Um, they still want a bat. Now, people are talking about Conforto. I personally think the bat should be J.D. Martinez. Um, I think Martinez would thrive in that lineup because he's, he would not be counted on. He would not have to be the, the, the flag bearer of the offense. And I think he's at a stage I in his career it. where he, he can't be the flag bearer. He has to be a piece now. But if you look at that Mets lineup – you, all you need J.D. Martinez to do is hit about 25 home runs. He hit 16 last year. All you need is nine more. He can give you nine more, right? <laughs> and maybe an extra 20 uh, RBIs. That's all you need out of him. Go ahead. Go ahead. Uh, no, I'll take J.D. Martinez in Atlanta. Like, and I'll hit him uh, either he can hit second, like between, uh, uh, between Acuna and uh, – Riley or Olsen, whoever's sitting there, I think they're still going to try to hit uh, Harris up higher in that order. But, I mean, if you can uh, – if you sandwich him in towards the middle of that order, like even between, uh, say, Harris and Murphy or something like that, you know what I mean, like five, six, seven, or whatever, like I'd take him in Atlanta yep. all day. Uh, yeah. And, yeah. And don't I, be surprised. Yeah. We'll, we'll see. Don't be surprised to see um, – some of these teams that we consider smart franchises 
make some really interesting moves when you look at it. Your eyebrows kind of eyebrows kind of raise, and you're like, huh. I could see him helping that team. And I'm not talking about uh, Jason Hayward and Shelby Miller to the Dodgers, which also happened in this last week. So, um, <laughs> yeah, we, no, you know who I want to see where he goes? Um, Joey Gallo. Joey Gallo was very interesting because Joey Gallo is a smart hitter. He knows the strike zone. He takes a lot of walks. But he's also Chris Davies because he refuses to make the adjustment. So does he get off of the contract at all, or does somebody give him $10 million on a fire? I, th- I feel like I would uh, I would have an incentive list that took money off, like once you hit a certain number of strikeouts. Right. But I feel like um, Joey Gallo, you'd probably need him in the South because there are times in the summer – where he will swing and miss enough to air condition the ballpark, and at least the fans can have something to be uh, grateful for. Because, yeah, I mean, he, he – a lot of power, right? So, uh, but he's but also, also a goal a... outfielder. He's a gold glove outfielder. I, I feel like that's a team that, like, a middle of the pack or a team that's not expected to do a ton. Uh, that feels like some, like – uh, Milwaukee or the Marlins or even another uh, a team that right. expected to either uh, finish in the middle or whatever, but could make a difference or be a big uh, uh, player for a team. I mean, you look at it like the Mets had some really good uh, some really good fortunes this year, platooning that spot even after the trade. So you had you know Vogel back and you had Canha and you had Naquin and you had. Uh, you know, pieces platooning in that order when they had all their pieces healthy. And and it really worked for them. So um, I think you're going to see more veteran guys like that and how it really fits into uh, into some of these rosters. Like, you know, as, as bad as it sounds, I could see the – I could see if they didn't get – they didn't bring them back, I could see the Braves deciding to – on a very cheap deal, go get a guy like Elvis Andres to come in and at least compete for the shortstop job in spring training. So we don't care what you do with the bat. Hmm. We know you can hit a little bit, but give us a good glove at shortstop and make the place. Uh, and now, now would you go for you him with Jerickson Profar? Well, and, and that's the question. Jerickson Profar has not played much shortstop, though. And I think the idea is if you but go he with came up like as a shortstop. Elvis, it, it's a, he... Yeah, but he was already kind of playing everywhere when he first came up. He didn't settle in at shortstop for yeah. with Elvis Andres. But and even with yeah. Andres, like it's a low risk, low reward type thing. If he doesn't, if Grissom takes off in the spring or really whatever, then you don't even have to keep him, right? Like it's not going to be. It won't be the first time he's been released. It's not going to kill him. Uh, right. But right. you know, just kind of an insurance policy, state farm uh, kind of thing. Let's see. I think other big. Uh, Signings in baseball over the last week. I think we've about hit uh, everything. Most of them, we the the Jansen. We talked about the position player, the outfielder for the uh, Red Sox. We did talk about this trade. I think um, the A's are compiling prospects, which you have to do. That's a that's a tough road uh, in that in that Western division right now, when you look at up and coming Seattle and listen, even though they might've given up weaker and some pieces like Colton Wong instantly makes that infield defense even better. Uh, I think you probably still have JP uh, Crawford coming back. Those two guys can really cover a lot of ground um, in the middle of that infield uh, for the, for the Seattle Mariners. So that becomes, uh, that becomes really interesting for, uh, for them with Colton Mon going over there. So you mentioned last oh, yeah. week, uh, you mentioned last week, Brittany Greyer and spoke on it a little bit. Did you want to say any more on that? I got a couple of other uh, topics we can throw out there as we got a little bit more, more time. And if either one of us think of any other uh, signings or anything to report, we can uh, throw it out there. But uh, did you want to speak any more on Brittany Griner? Is there any other stories uh, in sports that you would like to bring up since we had had a couple uh, shows this week? Not with Brittany. I, I, at this point, I just want to let her have her peace, man. You know what I'm saying? She's home, and, and just leave her alone. 
You know what I'm saying? If you right. have a problem with problem, not her problem, because um, you, you got people can't spell the word geopolitics or suddenly geopolitical experts. So, you know, because you watched a couple of episodes of 24 with Keith Sutherland, I don't want to listen to you, all right? <laughs> you want to talk about negotiations and geopolitics. So um, I just hope she's doing well, man, and that, that, that people just let that woman have her peace until she's ready to do whatever it is is the next phase in her life. But, you know, you mentioned Oakland, and, and this needs to be said. Shame on the Oakland A's. I'm, I'm tired of hearing this this nonsense about, oh, well, you know, they need a new ballpark. Okay, then build a new ballpark and stop trying to get taxpayers to pay for your team. They tore that team down to the studs. They try to force the city of Oakland to build them a ballpark, and then when they put an inferior product on the field, says, see, just nobody's coming to the games. Ain't nobody coming to the games and watch that trash you rolled out there. You traded every single good player you had. Why would I pay the exorbitant prices that it takes to go to a baseball game to watch trash? So shame on them. Shame on Major League Baseball for this nonsense. If you want to go to Vegas, just say, we want to go to Vegas. Don't tear this team apart. A team, by the way, that has been in baseball for close to 90 years as an organization, multiple cities, that organization has existed far longer than people realize, okay? Far longer than people realize. And you're taking a proud fabric of the game organization, and this is how you do just because you want to go to Vegas? And miss me with that. I kind of feel uh, <clears throat> not as in the game as long, but I kind of feel the same way about uh, Miami. Uh, you know, they won a couple times, sold everything off, and it's like still haven't really made a serious effort. Pittsburgh's kind of been a farm system for uh, Major League Baseball teams, too. We'll see if they. Uh, it appears they're trying to keep some of their guys, but we've also seen Brian Reynolds is requesting a trade out of there, so that could be um, an interesting piece. Uh, as far as Brittany Griner goes, real quick, like obviously, when this first went down months ago, I saw the uh, tired Facebook post where these Vietnam vets wrote this letter, blah 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 blah, uh, that I don't even want to dignify with a comment. But for people to have, uh, a few people to have re-released it again over the last week, uh, such uh, lack of class. I'm going to give another example of that in just a second, and. <clears throat> But I'm going to switch topics and uh, talk briefly about a guy uh, who had some detractors, and uh, there are some good and some bad things that you can say about him. But uh, I mentioned earlier this week I was going to talk about him on a different show. Uh, but one of my side dishes today is for the old pirate Mike Leach, man. Uh, going too soon, might have been going to step away from coaching anyway soon due to some health things. But. Uh, you know, a guy who uh, played sports in high school had ankle injury, had to resort to playing rugby in college, but, you know, did law and some coaching stuff, graduated as a lawyer, but then ends up uh, deciding to go into coaching, takes a little bit of money, coaches uh, California, uh, Finland, <laughs> uh, Iowa Wesleyan with Hal Mummy, and then they go to Kentucky. Um he coaches at, at Kentucky for, as the offensive coordinator under under Hal Mummy and led them. And listen, he Tim Couch was number one uh, Heisman uh, number one draft, not a Heisman Trophy winner, but the number one draft pick. You know, I remember a, a game in Baton Rouge. I uh, looked at the stats this week. He was like thirty-seven of fifty for like three hundred and ninety yards and four touchdowns or something late in the game. Third and 12, minute and five to go. LSU thought they were going to at least kind of play it out and play for overtime. Leach calls a reverse. Uh, Gains 28 yards, couple passes. Kentucky kicks a field goal and beats a, a really highly ranked LSU team. Um, you know, he won at Texas Tech. Uh, never really produced a great uh, NFL quarterback, but that air raid system, they opened it up, ran. They were kind of fun to watch. Listen to him on Sirius XM for a couple of years before he goes to Washington State. And then uh, now at Mississippi State, 
And it's funny because people say the game has to evolve. The game has kind of evolved uh, to him in some ways. You look this past year, three of the five uh, Heisman finalists were all coached by, uh, I guess, people that learned from Mike Leach or were under his tutelage or whatever. I don't like the word disciples of uh, Mike Leach, but on the Mike Leach uh, coaching tree. Um, kind of a, a very quirky guy with a quirky personality who could speak on about anything. I mean, how many coaches are going to uh, – are you going to see a sideline reporter – Ask him for wedding advice. Tell him he's playing a wedding. The guy shows some interest right after a game. And then his advice, like, he just gives her a hard time. He goes, well, what's his name? And she says, Trevor. And he's like, well, we had to set up a meeting where I could sit down and talk with him. And he's like, but, you know, first of all, I think you should have kind of kept this on the down low, which you've kind of failed to do that. I'm sure Trevor might have kept it on the uh, down low, but you've kind of gone and ruined that now. He said, I'm telling you right now. Uh, either picking off weekend or in the off season, he goes, just go elope. He's like, <laughs> he's like, listen, because every female in your family is going to terrorize you until it's over. If you go elope, you guys, people will be mad for a few days, but then it'll be over, and then you just kind of cruise on with your happy marriage and happy life, and you know, everybody will get over it. He's like, tell Trevor to reach out and talk to me. I'll convince him. I'll even give you, I'll even give y'all ten thousand dollars as a. Uh, as a uh, starting president, just to go alone. Like, the, the guy would just ramble on about about anything. He definitely had detractors. People say couldn't win huge games. But I think um, 21 seasons, uh, 16 of those were winning seasons, and not necessarily with, like, the Blue Blood uh, franchises. But a guy, man, lost too soon. Uh, but rest in peace. Rest in peace or in power to uh to coach uh, Mike Leach, man, like uh, love him or hate him or whatever. Um, he was definitely a character and the college football world and sports world uh, is a little less interesting with, and a little less quirky without the old pirate uh, swinging his sword anymore. So I just wanted to uh, say a couple of things about him. Uh, Chandler, love him or hate him. I mean, do you want to add anything? <laughs> I have always been of the opinion that if you're a terrible person in life, I don't you don't get it whitewashed when you're dead, so you don't want to hear what I have to say about Mike Leach. I got you. Um, yeah, you know, like I said, um, you'll hear uh, some good, some bad, some detractors, and and you know, I I, I totally under understand. Um, I understand where you're going with that. And, you know, I, I think uh, Mama said a long time ago, right, like if you don't have anything nice to say sometimes, uh, best is not to say anything at all. So uh, I, I totally understand. I don't agree with that, that either, personally. I, I don't agree with that either. I just, <laughs> we just don't have enough time for me to really get into how, how horrible the human being even has nothing to do with football. So we just don't I, have the time. I, I understand. Um, did, we talked about – did did you and I make much mention last week of Deion Sanders going to Colorado? We talked about it on a couple of shows. Um, no. Um, it, it, my whole thing with this is, is I didn't get to go to an HBCU. When I went to college, I was stationed in California. Ain't no HBCUs in California. All right, and I was still active duty, so I had to go in my spare time and when I could and make class and all this other stuff. My nephew graduated from HBCU. My niece is currently going to an HBCU, which is very expensive, by the way, because <laughs> she chose a private one. You know, she got those are the best. Um, so I understand, as someone whose family members have attended HBCUs, the pride that goes along with that and everything else. I get that. My problem with the criticism is Ken Griffey Jr. is now doing a baseball classic for HBCUs. Do you really think Ken Griffey Jr. would be would be doing this for Deion Sanders hadn't gone there? Because, you know, Deion's a Nike guy. Ken Griffey's his Nike guy. Um, I hear people talking, yeah, but the, the – uh, 
what's the one bowl at the end of the year they put in every year? It was always Grambling and somebody. I forget the name of, of the bowl. You know the one I'm talking about. It was always on NBC. Um, well, HBCU's on TV. No, one game, one HBCU game was on TV every year. The, one. The Bayou Classic? There you go. The, yeah. The That's the only Southern. one that was ever on TV. Yes. Um, most people, including people who look like me, black people, they couldn't name 10 HBCU football schools if you put a gun to their head before Dion went to Jackson State. Now, I could have because I was stationed in Tennessee, right? Yeah, I could have. And up to that point, honestly, I right, right, black folks that, that are not huge football fans couldn't name any. Now, growing up in New York, I hadn't even heard the term. I'd heard the term HBCU, so only one I knew was Howard and Morehouse. That was it. Howard Morehouse. Howard Morehouse Owen and Spelman, because that's where the women went, right? That was it. I never heard of Jackson State, uh, uh, Tennessee State, you know. Then I got stationed south, and I got indoctrinated. Okay. So so what Dion did was he played the teams that people never even heard of. No, nobody was watching North Carolina A and T. You know, I think my nephew went to A and T, by the way. Nobody, nobody was watching Morgan State, right? <laughs> nobody was watching these teams. Nobody understood that you had the MEAC, you know. And and, and this is also historically back colleges in the MEAC. People didn't know this. So, what are you criticizing for that Unless he you're in the came South. there? Right. Again, yes. But even in the South, bro, there's people, you know, there's people, you know, even in the South. Even in the South, there's some that can't name them because they don't know about them. Only know about Power 5, Power 5, Power 5, Power 5. So you, he brought a light. He brought you some attention. He made you upgrade your facilities. He said to you, you're not doing enough. He said, stop signing bad contracts. And then he said, hey, I'm going to improve my situation. Could he have left better? Yes, of course. Every single coach that leaves could have done it better. Every single one. Because they went out and recruited and then turned around and left. So you're not mad when other coaches do it, but you're mad. He did, well, because it was an HBCU. <laughs> Listen. If you really keep talking about you want to be treated like everybody else, you want to be treated like everybody else, y'all just got treated like everybody else. You had a good coach come there, use you as a stepping stone and left. I ain't trying to hear you complain about it. Well, and if you you really think about it, there's also been some stuff coming out over the last few days that suggests that Jackson say didn't do everything right uh, by Dion and all the uh, terms of what they uh, said they were going to be uh, ag- agreeing on. So um, that that's another thing to throw into it. Uh, basically, what it says, I've been trying to get you guys to raise your level and improve yourselves. Now, you know, I'm going to do the same, and hopefully you guys will continue to do so. Uh, the only, only other uh, HBCU games I ever saw, uh, BET used to pick up some occasion. Uh, Chandler, we got 90 seconds, man. Do you have anything you want to shout out before we close out? Uh, no, I had fun doing this with you. We got to do this again. Um, and everybody, be safe through the holidays. Your feelings are valid, but they are not facts. It's okay to feel a certain way during the holidays, but don't let your feelings dictate your life. That's all I got, buddy. All right. Uh, yeah, we don't want our feelings to uh, cause future consequences. Of that. Yeah. So not nine eight eight. If you need somebody to talk to, that's a national line now. So keep that in mind. Uh, SportsCityChefs dot com. Check out the blog, Finger Foods websites, all the other shows. Sunday, Tuesday, Sunday morning, Tuesday, and Wednesday night. Tim Chandler and I are going to start to do more Thursday shows. I think. Also, real quick, phiapparel um, dot com. Um, use chefs to check out for 15% off check out the barbershop on Clubhouse laissez les bon temps rouler and as Thomas always says tell a friend to tell a friend that it's the chefs again and if they don't know, now they know Sports City, Sports City Chefs, Chefs Sports City, Sports City Chefs
discovered chumbacasino.com it's my little escape now judy's the life of the party oh baby mama's bringing home the bacon whoa take it easy judy the chumba life is for everybody so go to chumbacasino.com and play over a hundred casino style games join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes chumbacasino.com no purchase necessary void we're prohibited by law 18 plus terms and conditions apply see website for details Purchase new wiper blades from O'Reilly Auto Parts today and we'll install them for free. See better and drive safer with O'Reilly Auto Parts. Oh, 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 O'Reilly Auto Parts.